Rico Nasty, slow tie and take a day trip on Lighthouse. You're on FBI 94.5. Welcome to Movies, Movies, Movies on Mornings with Bridie Tanner. Lords, Jen and Andre, very excited to hear your review of The Lighthouse today. Mm, lighthouse weather out there today, It right is. Now. Oh, how good is it? It's so nice. I'm, oh, because you've seen it, Bridie. I have seen it. Whoa. Which is unusual for me to hear a review, and I have already seen the movie. Still I'm wet from it? Still wet, still loving it, but I'm really keen to know what you think if you rated it, if you hated it. You're going to hear the two reviews in just a minute after movie news, and then after that, we're talking to the director of Gaby Baby. I think it's okay to lie about having two dads. My mum has told me about the priest at church telling us that mum is sin against God. It's not normal. You're not normal. The kind of things which go around my head. Without further ado, let's crack in. Movie news. So before we crack into two reviews and Sydney's Spotlight's interview with Manuel, the director of Gaby Baby and In My Blood It Runs, what is happening this week in the world of cinema? Well, basically it's been revealed that Jonathan Glazer, who you might know from Birth, the Nicole Kidman film set in Misty Moisty New York and Under the Skin with Scarlett Johansson, uh, is working on a TV show based on that. Under the Skin might come back as this art house long form TV show currently d- deciding between Silver Reel and A24 as producers. And for those of you who need to know, Silver Reel is the production company that made the original film, which is an amazing masterpiece that everyone talks about being one of the best films of the last decade. So I hope this doesn't just become part of the A24 canon. A24 are kind of like the lame indie kids who are popping off at the moment. Yes, Bridie? Yeah, I know. I heard you uh, say like some off-the-cuff remark about A24 the other day, and I've never thought about production houses as something to think about when watching a movie. I'm like, you know, right snags, now, well, let's get into it. Here's a really good description. You know Phineas, the brother of Billie Eilish who produces all her music? Yeah, of Phineas course. is like the A24 of music. So <laughs> A24 is just like pretending to be cheap but has a lot of money, American company... It's American, right? Yeah. We'll have to look that up. Um, but anyway, we don't know if Scarlett Johansson's going to be back. We don't know if Jonathan Glazer's coming back. He's actually working on a film about the Holocaust this year, which is also going to come out. But so. do you know who is coming back for yet another performance? Uh, Billie Eilish next week at Les Oscars. Yeah, now this was teased as something that might be happening, might not be happening. I think yesterday it was confirmed. Definitely is. Yeah. And the one and only article I clicked on about it said there was some pushback, people saying, what, why is Billie Eilish playing at the Oscars? Do you think it's appropriate fit? Yeah, because I think uh, award shows have had dwindling audience numbers and I think this is like a last minute attempt to just, you know, spice it up and really tap into that young generation. And also she's written or is writing the James Bond theme for the new James Bond film How to Die on a map. She is the new Jack White. Oh, Jen! Uh, <laughs> yeah, fine. Yeah, I'll take it. So, now, who knows what she's going to be singing, though? In, who knows? Tell us about um, the director pairings we're seeing at the moment. Oh, my God. We've had so many fun, amazing, outlandish American actors going for some art house European fair. Jen, say it. Robert Pattinson and Claire Denis. No, I meant say <laughs> Tiffany Haddish's <laughs> line. <laughs> no, not doing it. 
she ready <laughs> tiffany haddish star of like a boss is making a film with paul schrader who is the famous writer of taxi driver and director of first reformed which came out a few years ago and also mishima a life in four chapters which we spoke about on the show a few months ago so tiffany and paul are teaming up for what is what we're hoping is going to be a poker themed thriller or drama you want to see a poker themed thriller no that's what it is they're writing a story that's uh, set in like the online world the online world the real world of (laughs) poker gambling what is poker about again jen you need to ask someone else it's about getting out of a pool slowly (laughs) there you go hey uh we're gonna come back with two reviews here on movies 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 a review of the new robert patterson and willem dafoe film the lighthouse will the film lords rate or hate it it's a black and white period drama that's... And also, what else are you reviewing? <laughs> <laughs> this one I'm not so sure about. You're also going to be reviewing what appears to be a YouTube video of 73 Questions with Greta Gerwig. Yes, so Vogue has a series <laughs> where they interview celebrities and they ask them 73 arbitrary random questions. Oh, do they? And Greta has done one and it reveals a lot about her process, so we're and going to review that later. Getting the two review treatment today on Mornings. This is Not Innocent by Hard Eyes. We'll be back after this. Not Innocent by Heart Eyes. FBI 94.5, Brady with you on mornings. This is Movies, Movies, Movies. One. No, no, no. Two reviews. Two reviews. Give me more reviews. Two reviews. Two reviews. Two reviews. Two reviews. Two reviews. Arguably my favourite part of Movies, 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 other than seeing my beautiful film lords, Jen and Andre, is hearing what they have to say on films that we're all talking about at the moment, including this one, The Lighthouse. So quotable. (laughs) (laughs) If you like The Master, Mother, Climax, The Beguiled and Twilight, The Lighthouse is for you. Another dark comedy from A24 to add to the canon of movies exploring a no-sex culture. (laughs) Willem, Daddy Defoe and Robert Acoustic Guitar Patterson are stuck, drunk in the middle of the ocean with nothing but an ABBA CD and their chronic abandonment issues. This huge, thick lighthouse, Defoe's farts, drinks with dad, mermaid in tentacle wet dreams, smashing storms... uh, the film is kind of like, for me, I think, screaming at like closeted nerds to just like go out and give BJs instead of like writing angry reviews about the apocalypse. But for my money, I do love what um, filmmakers have been doing recently with colour. And I think like black and white is great, but if it's not one shot, it's nothing. Um, what did you guys think? Not to throw shade at A24, but it got one nomination this year at the Oscars and it was for Best Cinematography for The Lighthouse. So that says a lot about A24, I think. Uh, everyone discuss. <laughs> the, I love The Lighthouse. I don't know what that exactly says about A24 other than they don't like well, own some weird press Here's campaign. my response. I love this film because I thought it was beautifully shot and Jen was complaining that it was a bit too The Shining and a bit Stanley Kubrick, which is a fair point to make. But I wasn't indoctrinated by Stanley Kubrick when I was younger. I avoided that culture. I wasn't socialised like that. So for me, this is like a fresh, exciting Willem Dafoe jizzathon. And I think for some people it might be a bit of like a, oh, another classical film that's supposed to be like one of those masterpieces. But this to me was refreshing and exciting and I loved it for that. Well, look, no one was rolling out, rolling their eyes at the screening I went to. People were walking out. Really? Yeah. There were walkouts? It was a boomer audience. Oh, oh, d- oh that's surprising to yeah, me. Yeah, they that, didn't like it. They, they usually just... love that kind of stuff. They I know, but it might have been a bit much for them. 
Yeah, totally. I mean, the sexual tension, the homoeroticism might have kind of got, got them through the mermaids screaming for sex. You know what I mean? It's also got a real uh, grittiness. It kind of reminded me of, you know, when you've been camping for like three days and your fingernails are filled with dirt and you can't yeah. like touch your own skin without feeling like kind of irksome. Yeah. That's it when has... you know you're really in love with someone. I think like this is a good date movie <laughs> because there's nothing that brings people together like a fart joke and there's lots of them in this oh, movie. Oh, the fart humour in this is really interesting. Yeah. And that wasn't sarcastic. I'm being serious. This farts is... and caca. Farts and caca. Can we talk about the farts for a second? I mean, oh, yeah. not only are they a bit of a tension relief for humour, but... Also, when it when bit it of a fa- power play, yeah, farts is power play. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, this is the director from The Witch, and yes. I don't remember laughing much in The Witch, but this had a few more gags. A few more gags. I think it's dad jokes. I think Willem is definitely playing some kind of daddy son like playoff here. There's definitely there's some pup play mm. as well. Willem's famously said that he wants to be like a non actor. I think he's trying to disassociate from like the prestige of Willem, and this to me is like a real career destroyer in a nice way. Like him yeah. being like, I'm going to be naked. I'm going to be dressed like a sea merchant and I'm also going to have scales on my face. <laughs> Willem is my Nicolas Cage. Willem is my oyster. Well, I think we've got our inner words. Would you like to lock in an inner word for the lighthouse? Yeah. Um. You're not my dad. Uh, you're not my dad. Oyster. 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 Me. Love yeah. it. Okay. That was the lighthouse for one of the two reviews. Now, the second is uh, on reviewing 73 questions with Greta Gerwig. It's a YouTube video. Let's take a little listen. Wait, who wouldn't want them to date? They're so good looking. True. Would you direct another period piece? Yes. And what borough would Joe March live in today? Manhattan. (laughs) (laughs) Manhattan. You guys, that was Vogue interviewing Greta Gerwig. So here's my read, you guys. Greta Gerwig was front of line to appear in a How I Met Your Mother spin-off called How I Met Your Dad. Okay, we all know what that means. No one was buying the project and Greta's then-husband in line, Noah Baumbach, was crafting his Adam Sandler film The Meyerwitz Stories about adults acting like children in the eyes of their father. And let me just say that, you know, young adults casting Adam Sandler in serious roles, it's not a thing. Greta then pricked her finger in 2017 and bled onto the script of Election by Alexander Payne and committed to Oscar glory over mumble boring. How I Met Your Dad, the spin-off never became the editing gift it was destined to be. And now we're here, days away from a screenplay Oscar nom and win for a 19th century period film written by Greta, a bonafide femme gend who almost became that sidekick in an edgy TV show because film is about moving forwards towards what you want. So when Vogue asks Greta what she wants, she says a bunch of Oscars. But at what cost, y'all? Happiness? Who can even be happy making a film anyway? Discuss. Discuss. (laughs) That was what I got from this. I am obsessed with How I Met Your Mother. I think it's an editing masterwork. Film is editing. And Greta is always editing back into the past. But what I'm not getting from your review is basically your assessment or read of the format of the Vogue 73 questions, one take interviews, mm. where women are shot from a high angle in one take, awkwardly walking around asking rapid-fire questions. The part that really screams at me is when he says something like, he asks her a pretty straightforward question and she gets distracted for maybe five lines. She says, oh, what's that noise? And he said, it's a one take review, Greta. 
Yeah. These, Back on script. Uh, this, the format of 73 Questions by Vogue magazine is like playing with whether it's staged or not staged, and this mm. is not staged, y'all. I don't staged, think. You think it's staged? Yeah, it's staged. If you want to re- remind yourself and refresh yourself on what the 73 Questions are all about, you can watch Alina Dunham interview. Nicole Kidman one. Michael B. Jordan. Uh, you, you Aquafina. Know who, Aquafina does one. Uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Sasha Ronan. Sasha Ronan. Oh my God, don't watch the Sasha Ronan one. We're going to chuck a link up to Greta Gerwig's 73 Questions on the program page fbiradio.com, click on mornings. What would you give it in a word? Oh, I need to mention Greta Gerwig directed Ladybird. <laughs> <laughs> we know. <laughs> um, I'd, I'd call it sculpting in time. Sculpting in time, okay. <laughs> uh, one take. One take. Thank you for those two reviews. We're going to go to a track now from Bumali, and when we return, we'll be speaking with the director of In My Blood It Runs, Maya Newell. This is Movies, Movies, Movies on Mornings, FBI 94.5. On FBI 94.5, that was 100 by Bumali. What's happening? Sydney Spotlight. Now, you might have heard here at FBI 94.5, we're doing a first look screening of In My Blood It Runs. For the English country, the whole of this new land. What happened at school? The history that we told at school, that was for white people. They don't know their culture. They don't teach them their culture. A young voice you just heard was Duan, the lead in a new documentary by Maya Newell, who joins us in the studio. Welcome to Mornings, Maya. Thanks for coming in. Great to be here. Now, you're also the director of Gaby Baby. Yeah. <laughs> Can you tell us what happened between uh, making that documentary that's led you now to In My Blood it's, It Runs? Sure. I mean, yeah, so Gaby Baby was my first feature, which I started making with Charlotte Mars when we were 22 little young'uns. And I suppose for In My Blood It Runs, there's a real correlation because it's also the story of a child's voice and, and what that feels like to walk in the world. But actually, I've been sitting with Arundamob in Alice Springs in the desert over the last decade. So around the same time, even that I started making in um, Gaby Baby as the sort of second project and um, learning a lot from elders in that in that area, going out on country with kids um, in on town camp uh, from town camps out onto their country and and just learning. And after Gaby Baby. Um, we all decided on with the rest of the community to make this film and to make something that the public could see and learn from. So coming into the film, we see it all through a 10-year-old's point of view. Um, can you talk a little bit about how you worked with him and how you both decided on what the film would be? Sure. So, yeah, I mean, it's such a tricky one with this project because it took a long time to decide whether... It was a film that should be made and, and certainly whether I should be the one to help make it. Um, but I worked with uh, Carol Turner, who's Duane's grandmother in the film, for for many years making you know short films that were private. And I think also you know, being a non-Indigenous person and being very aware of the politics of representation, we sort of sat back for a long time and, and were trying to work out whether this was a story that should be told. Um, you know, obviously there's been misappropriation and um, of First Nations stories for a long time by non-Indigenous filmmakers. Um, but we went to his grandmothers and to the elders at Akilira, which is the 
um, Arunda-led organisation that I was working with at that time and decided that there was a story that should be told and we created this beautiful structure around which it should be made, keeping control in with um, the families. Um, and then I met Duan and he's just this exuberant, sort of intelligent, you know, confident young person who really wanted a film made about him. <laughs> Maya, I wanted to ask, you've made two documentaries about children and I hate to be obvious, but they always say don't work with kids or animals, <laughs> yeah. but you've done that twice now. How do you set up a shoot with a kid because you know so much about how to stage a documentary mm. in an interview, but a child might not. So what? how do you get that started to make them feel safe? Yeah, I mean, I think obviously it has a lot to do with the kid and, you know, all of the children I've worked with have really wanted to have a space to share. Um, but really it's just time, you know. It's not like you sit down and expect a child to share their, you know, all of their views in the world, although often that is quite easy because they're very confident and want to. With all of the young people in my films, I suppose, we sat with them for a long time over many years. I mean, we've made, been making this film for, what, three years? So walking alongside and moved to Alice Springs, you know, was there with Duan sometimes when he woke up. Obviously, when I was annoying, I was not there, but just just sort of being there and, and capturing those moments of growing up. Um, there's a beautiful thing about that, the children in Gaby Baby and actually Duan as well, is when you're in the cusp of adulthood between, you know, you're sort of becoming um, cognizant of the world around you and some of the more complex um, issues that adults face. And that's, you know, very beautiful to be there as a child is working working that out. But they still have this, like, moral code that I think um, adults can actually learn a lot from. We're talking to Maya Newell, the director of In My Blood It Runs, as well as Gaby Baby. Now, in the synopsis I've been reading for In My Blood It Runs, Duan is described as a child healer. Can you explain what that is? Sure. I'm sure his grandmothers would, and him actually, you know, do it a lot better in the film. But he's been given a very special gift from his country and also from his great-grandfather, um, which is called Nangra. And, yeah, he describes it in the film as a special healing power. So he's kind of like the family doctor. And he goes around to the hospital or heals family members when they have, you know, a sick stomachache or a sore. And I suppose that just shows his cultural strength and, and how he walks in the world. And, yeah, it's very beautiful to witness and for me to learn about there was something that Andre and I were arguing about last night and it was how Werner Herzog talks about how you should burn the rushes when you finish a film. But I read in an interview you did last April that you said there's so many short films that you have from three years of filming. How on earth do you finish a documentary that you shoot over three years and what are you going to do with all those rushes? I know. It's Can really I just such... ask, first of all, what, yeah. what is a rush? Oh, oh sorry. Like the footage. <laughs> like just the raw footage, all, the files. Yeah. Yeah. And I think when you make films in the way that I have, which is observational, it's not like other filmmakers that might go in and just film one interview or have an idea of what that story is. We like, you know, it was like every day. So there are hundreds of hours of footage. Um, there are many films in that. And, yeah, I suppose if I ever have the, the dedication to go back and and recreate you know something that would be a beautiful process but probably the thing that will happen is we'll go through and pull out the bits that family would like to keep 
and um, give that as an archive oh, of, of them. I'd love to see give SBS. the footage back to the people. That is But I'd also hot. love to see, like, SBS Slow <laughs> TV and do, like, one-day movies. Oh, I want to see the MoMA retrospective where you just uh, put everything out in a gallery. Oh, it would be so beautiful. But actually, I think that is the um, motivation for lots of people who want to be a part of the film. And I know for Megan, who's um, Duane's mother, um, she always said that she wants her her child's, you know, her child, Duane's childhood to be captured and, um, yeah, and that to be kept as a memory for their family. So that's that's pretty beautiful. Well, you can get along and see the footage that has become In My Blood It Runs. <laughs> We're giving away a double pass through our First Look series. So just email firstlook at fbiradio.com with In My Blood It Runs in the subject heading and include your FBI supporter number. Now, if you're not an FBI Radio supporter, it means giving us 5 or $10 a month to make sure you hear conversations like this with filmmakers, local Australian and international movies, 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 and all the arts, <laughs> culture and music we do here on FBI Radio. Just head along to fbiradio.com slash support and that way you could be heading along to our first look screening of In My Blood It Runs. But if you can't make our first look on the 12th of February, sorry, the 20th of February, nope, the 12th of February, got it right the first time, uh, we're giving away a double pass right now to FBI supporters who can just take that double pass and go to any screening of it. All you have to do is give us a call right now with your supporter number at the ready, 833-22-999. That's 833 833- Double two, triple nine. Thank you so much, Maya Newell, for coming in and telling us about your movie. Yep, thanks for having me. <laughs> Film Lords, Jen and Andre, we'll catch you next Monday on Mornings. And I'm going to chuck on a song now for you. But coming up, we're going to the Oxford Art Factory to hear when Phoebe Bridges played there, her live set, Killer. But first, this is Branko. Bye. This podcast is produced by FBI Radio in Sydney. Find more at fbiradio.com slash podcasts.